Today was beautiful. The sun was bright, the skies were clear, the wind carried away to the sea the sun's searing light, the horizon glowed and splintered with the force of a great explosion. In unrelated news, I think I might have seen a city destroyed today. When Persephone Woke, Episode 1, The Stranger I don't like cities. I don't trust them. And I try and avoid them in their grey, grim roads when I can. But I needed some new bullets and cloth, and my first aid kit was running low. And my maps showed a settlement nearby, so I took my cart there. The city was surrounded by a patchwork of farms, fences lined up like teeth. So I suppose they figured out how to feed themselves. Good for them. But the city scratched the skyline like the jagged spine of a great metal beast, with the usual wretched haze of a city gutted by the apocalypse. As soon as I saw it on the horizon, I stopped heading along the road and started searching among the farms. I'd rather trade with someone on the farms than in the city. And then... well... The sky darkened, though there were no clouds in the sky. My vision winked out, and when it returned, I saw the city blooming in a bright and silent explosion. It shone a terrible, radiant black, and as the shockwave washed out, the grass bent in the wind. I shaded my eyes and squinted, and as I watched, the air splintered and cracked. Reality split. My eyes dried and my tongue withered with the heat behind the cracks in the universe. Moments later, I smelled something like fire and burning metal and the death of a star. The world was leached of color, washed out like a shade, and the city was in the epicenter, shining with gray light. So, yeah. I was kind of annoyed, because I can hardly go get my supplies now, can I? And I even went to the trouble of seeking out civilization in the first place. But all the farmhouses I visited were empty, rotting, long abandoned despite the trim and ordered nature of their fields. I didn't dare go any closer to the city, shining as it was. It's a pain, but at least the dogs were happy about the whole ordeal. They spent a few hours rolling around on the farms. I helped myself to some fruit, too. Not too much, though. Fruit spoils too quickly on the road to be anything but a luxury. Something about this land is strange, though. It's the middle of January, yet all the orchards were in full bloom. I'm not an agriculturist, but I'm sure that can't be right. Well, I won't complain. It's been a long time since I've had any oranges, so this was a rare find. It's nighttime now, and the city is still pulsing with gray light in the distance. If I look too long, I can still see the wavering outline of its skyscrapers, but longer than that and I get a headache. I'm glad I'm not the one who has to deal with all that. Tomorrow I'll be heading east. It's been quite a few seasons since I last went to the big forests, and I'm just aching to hunt some red meat. There was a person lying in the bushes on the side of the road. I'm not sure what he was doing there if he wasn't dead. I thought he was dead at first, with how he was thrown there with his limbs all a kilter and without a single bit of sensible equipment on him. He had a nice coat, though, which was what really caught my attention. It was gray, like a dove's wings, with an abundance of pockets just ripe for the picking. Yet, as I perused their contents, 
I noticed he was breathing. Which was rather annoying, because I can't loot a body if it's not dead. Now can I? So I brought him back to the cart and checked him over. He doesn't have any visible injuries. It's as if he just fainted out of the blue. He at least had the good sense to faint on something soft, I suppose. He's also burning with fever, and I have only a few cisterns of water left. The dogs and I will have to work hard to get the cart to the nearest river on time. He's making no end of trouble for me. The stranger from the bushes woke up about an hour later. He sputtered and blearily opened his eyes, and as soon as he laid eyes on me, he screamed? He groped around for a weapon, I think, and then he just tried to punch me. But he was slow and there wasn't much strength in his punch, so I caught him fairly easily and pushed him back down to rest. In my bed, even. Stop that, I told him. You'll only hurt yourself if you overexert yourself right now. What? He asked. Who are you? Where am I? I explained to him that he was in my cart, since he'd passed out on the side of the road, and I had so kindly decided to help out. I was just passing by, I said, and once his fever broke, he could go his merry way, and I could go my merry way, and if we were lucky, then we would never have to see each other again. He didn't notice any of it. I need to get to Ashtown, he said frantically, pushing off the blankets and trying to get up again, like a fool. I need to, I need to tell them what happened, I need to, to get some rest, I interrupted impatiently. If it's not an emergency, it can keep a few days. It is an emergency, he burst out. I have to warn them, otherwise they might be. He cut himself off, pale and stricken, as though he'd seen some great shadow fall before him. Ashtown can wait a few days, I told him. At any rate, your warning might be too late. I saw a city get destroyed just hours before I found you. There's nothing you can do for that city now. Something slipped behind his eyes. No, he whispered dramatically, and he turned away from me towards Shadow. I pretended I didn't see. Are you sure it was Ashtown? he demanded. I shrugged. The name on my map said Stockton, not Ashtown, so I had no way of knowing. Then there's still hope, he said more to himself than to me. He wiped his eyes and looked back at me, his eyes dark and gleaming with determination. Please, show me the city. I told him in no uncertain terms that I would not, since it would take a few days to return to the location, and I had no intention of turning my cart around to trek back towards a disaster that had nothing to do with me. And even if it hadn't taken so much effort to return, I wouldn't do it anyhow, since I was not a mule. He was already using my supplies in my bed. He could at least have the decency not to infringe upon my life any further, I informed him. He could walk himself back to the city when he was better. What kind of name is Ashtown anyways? It sounds so absurd. You may as well put up a sign that reads, Do not enter this shattered and lawless city next to it. The stranger, oddly enough, looked afraid. What about food and water? He said. You can take one of my guns and two containers of water, I said grudgingly, but that's it. What am I supposed to do with a gun, he said. Hunt food with it, of course. What kind of foolish question is that? 
but he didn't know how to use a gun to hunt. I have no idea how he has survived without knowledge as crucial as that. Whoever lived with him must have coddled him quite a bit. He even asked me why I was wearing a gas mask, and why he was wearing a gas mask too. It's just common sense. The air is full of pollutants and toxic substances after the apocalypse. Wearing a gas mask is just what you should do if you don't want to fall sick and die an early death. But he gave me such a strange look when I told him that. The air hasn't been toxic for nearly three generations now, he said in an odd voice. I have no idea what he was taught or how he's still alive. The apocalypse was barely three generations ago. How can the air have been clear for that long? <sighs> he's a fool. There's no way I can let him walk back to Ashtown on his own. So, we're headed back to the cities now. Ugh. At least his fever broke fairly quickly after he woke. I think he was just suffering some heat exhaustion. Stupid of him to go out without some water on him, but he didn't even have a gas mask when I found him. So I suppose he just doesn't know anything about the world at all. The stranger is a bad companion. He keeps trying to talk to me and get to know me. If he asks me another question, I may consider turning this cart around for the sole purpose of dunking him in the river. This is awful fancy for a cart, he told me, poking at the windows and doors. And he looked at me like I should be offering some kind of justification for it. It was such a presumptuous idea, I immediately decided to tell him nothing about it. I did introduce him to the dogs, though. I'll admit, he's good with them. Katja especially seems to have taken a shine to him, and he keeps distracting her from doing her job by trying to pet her. I told him if he was feeling well enough to pet her, he could help pull the cart. Otherwise, he should shut up and go to sleep. He looked a little offended at that, but he went back in the cart and hasn't said anything to me in hours. I think I can call that a resounding victory. When he saw the gray city in its grim gray light, he trembled. His eyes were fixed on the sight, though staring at it so long must have given him a terrible headache. So they're gone too, he said in a slightly offbeat voice. His hands were clenched at his sides. I left him to it and picked some more oranges from the orchards. They tasted great. I really should find some way of storing fruit on longer journeys. He seemed offended when I returned to the cart with all the dogs in tow. I told him he was allowed to be offended after he secured me a larger store of food. Since with a second person in my cart, my resources were already stretched thin. <laughs> As if I won't take advantage of any food sources nearby. He was a little more subdued after that, as I tossed some more fruit into the cart. Aren't you going to ask about the city? He asked out of the blue. No, I told him. I didn't know anything, and I didn't want to. It was his business, not mine. And I was perfectly happy having things stay that way. You're not even a bit curious? He pressed. No, I said. Did you find the answers you wanted? No, he said. Great, I told him. I'll take you to your new destination, and then I'll leave and never think about this again. He was silent. Then, it's just as well, I guess, 
he said. Since I don't really want to talk about it, I guess. But you're still an insensitive jerk. Way to get in my good graces. I'm already doing so much for him. Well, whatever. It's not as if we'll have to occupy the same general area for very long. There's no need to play nice. Can you take me to Cinder? He said. Where the hell is that? I said. He couldn't tell me, so he had to get out my maps. We argued. He told me all the maps were out of date and all the names were wrong. I told him that all the rivers were correct, which was really all that mattered. He said if he couldn't figure out which city on the map was which, then he couldn't tell me where to go, could he? He was so irritating. And he couldn't piece it together in the end. So instead of me dropping him off at whatever city like a sack of bricks, we have to go to the nearest settlement and buy a map first. This is so much trouble. I never should have gone to the city. All civilization ever brings is trouble. When Persephone Woke is written and produced by Jessica Tang and voiced by Ali Rones. Music was composed by the artists Disparition and Transient and used under the Creative Commons license. Visit disparition.info and noisyvagabond.wordpress.com to learn more about their work. If you enjoyed this project, please consider leaving a review or commenting at whenperstephaniewoke.weebly.com. Thank you for listening.